The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Uh, we'll kick things off as always though with our afternoon update catching you up on what has happened uh, so far today Megan Scully is with me the broadcaster David Hall CEO of Eye Care Housing and of Lifeline Ambulance Services as well you're both very very welcome um, uh, there was this interesting uh, story today Megan about roadside checks that the Gardaí are going to be introducing uh, to do with e-scooters and e-bikes what can you tell us about it? Yeah, so this is a really interesting story and um, basically it's under the Road Traffic and Road Acts of 2023. So now um, the guards will be allowed to stop e-scooters and make sure that they have a licence. And I think it's just, look, I think it's needed, especially in Dublin and with so many more e-scooters and uh, helmets will have to be worn which is, I think, mm-hmm. health and safety is one we really have to look look at. So, yeah, they're going to basically be checking and they'll stop you to see if you've got a licence, you've got the proper paperwork because, you know, as we know, there have been accidents with scooters and e-scooters. And, you know, I think especially when I find and I come here to the capital, uh, you know, you've got the bus lanes, you've got you the cycle lanes. You sound like lanes. such a bogger now when you say that. Come <laughs> well, on, I am, when I rest. come up here to the capital. <laughs> well, I am. So uh, I actually won't. And I park at the Red Cow and I get the bus in because, geez, I couldn't drive on those streets. Well, as you get the train up, I got straight into Houston. And I I did a walk from Houston all the way in here and oh, uh, but I, fa- I did find that because you know it was like for example at the traffic lights now you have to think about there's the footpath for the pedestrians there's a cycle lane and the e-scooter lane and then there's the bus lane and then there's the actual lanes I, I haven't walked that stretch before mm. and to be honest I put the phone away because I had to keep an eye for everything and then at one stage I could hear the, the light going for pedestrian but it wasn't my one so I was like I really have to pay attention here. So I often wonder about people who are visually impaired and are listening for that light. You know, where they are, a lot of them are together to make sure you actually have the right one. I think you can put your finger, you can put your hand on the little box, isn't it? And it vibrates a little bit. You notice that? If you put your hand on it yeah. when, the, when it's beeping, there's a little pulse in yeah, the box. You have to tell the, the, the scooter though that you're crossing. Well, that's so the true. The scooter and the bikes just fly through. Yeah. And they're colorblind. Though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the other issue though here is those scooters that are enhanced, David. I mean, that are... Yeah, the GTI as, lots. Yeah, yeah. The GTI, yeah, yeah, The yeah, GTI yeah. scooters. The GTI ones. You've got to get them off the, out of the fields. Jeez, they go some speed though, oh, don't yeah. they? I've got them to get them out of the fields and you've got to put them onto the roads and you've got to have them compete with cyclists and compete with cars and then we'll change it. I'm sure in a few years' time now we'll change the whole thing. We'll bar the cars from the city centre. We won't allow anyone park. We'll let the scooters run amok and run riot as they do in some of the suburbs in Dublin. Like, I, I think scooters have to be corralled and uh, it, it is funny that scooters need a helmet and cyclists don't need a helmet especially the ones you can rent around town you can just hop onto a bicycle around town and off you go so anyway I think I think as, as Megan said it's good to have them good to corral them but you know they need to do something urgently with them because you can't it's, it, it's such a tricky environment now town walking yeah. cycling yeah. even going in your car like as you said you get to a, you get to a set of traffic lights like Jesus Christ it's like bingo you don't know what's going to happen. The problem, I, I, right, the, the, I know there's kind of uh, people, as you say, are a little colourblind and, you know, uh, cyclists and pedestrians can be guilty of it too. The issue is kind of, is a broader one. It's not so much the scooters. It's kind of, it's just antisocial behaviour. It's, it's like it's people on scooters flying up on footpaths and tearing through junctions and going down pedestrian areas. And I was driving down Crumlin Road last week and two lads drove, overtook me. I was I was stuck at the, you know, just after where Weaver Park is. People will know where I'm talking about before I got to Crumlin Road. So I'm in kind of through the liberties. I was stuck at the traffic lights there 
and red light two lads on scramblers on motorbikes tore through without helmets one of them doing a wheelie there was a squad car behind me but the squad car didn't do anything because he knew there was no point in doing anything first of all he probably have G-Sock on his case if he went on a high speed oh, chase really after, gone, after no, kids he, he couldn't chase her you can't, yeah, he can't, you can't, can't chase he can't anyone actually, you can't do any actual policing <laughs> you, you, can't might be, you might be investigated no, for no. it and also he probably knew that eventually like given the apartments and all around there they just nipped through a gap that he was not going to get through in a squad car so it was just remarkable that this happened. The squad but, car sitting there probably tearing his own hair out. But where do we even get the manpower to do this? Like, where are we going to get the Gardaí that can, you know, go around and check? Because, you know, we already need Gardaí on our roads for cars. You know, there's already massive issues. So how are we going to get the, the guards out there to, to police this, basically? The, the, the lads you met the other day, we see them every day around Dublin in any shape or form. Any guard stops them and has a chat with them and stuff like that. There's a number of unpleasantries exchanged and off they go with their scooter. Until such time as there's real consequences for, mm. for for those actions, you're wasting your time. And again, as you say, Megan, like the guards are wasting their time getting involved in this sort of chaos. Anybody who's going in those scooters is predominantly antisocial behaviour as opposed to someone going into work trying to get down to the Docklands at 40 kilometres an hour down the Keys. Good luck to them making it alive to the other end. The e-bikes are handy though, aren't they? We've had a pint on the way home. I don't think you're meant to do it when you're too inebriated. But they've got the bold bikes in yeah, Kenny, you, you know, you just like swipe the barcode and yeah, you pop, you're home before no, you know no, it. And no helmet. And we've road safety uh, regulations and road safety ads being in place for everything else. So get pissed, get on your bike, get on your scooter, no pump at all, no helmet and off you go. Yeah, and also I've got to cycle, if the cycle, this is the best part about it, you have to cycle on the road, you can't cycle in the uh, cycle lane because the cycle lanes are so full of gunk. Uh, just like dirt and everything that's built up because the street sweeper, uh, there's not a street sweeper in Kenny that can fit inside the wands that they put up uh, during COVID to make everyone cycle. So we've got all these wands that are hideous and filthy uh, and what they actually do is prevent people in the long run uh, in the cycle lane. It's amazing, isn't it? Great little country. And then they go on the footpath and they're on the road. What What a brilliant, brilliant. No consequences. Yeah. That, that's it. There are absolutely the absence no of consequences, consequences. Like having checks is no use unless there's significant consequences. And we saw, you know, the, the ramming of the Garda car in Cherry Orchard and that type of behaviour. You know, there's no other jurisdiction in the world would that have been tolerated. So you're never going to have a situation where you've got antisocial behaviour tackled properly and effectively and efficiently in the absence of proper consequences. Yeah. God, it's remarkable. You forget about that story, actually. Um, uh, and uh, I guess how little attention it got within a few days it kind of disappeared. Yeah. I mean, that should have been maybe a much bigger story in people's minds. Um, Enoch Burke, we just heard of the news headlines there as well, is back in court uh, today. Um, this is kind of a, a difficult task, Megan. Can you remind us exactly why he's back in court? There's so many different threads to the Burke jumper to be pulled. I, I Every time I see um, Enoch changing, I have to look on social media because I'm like, what's going on now? So it was, is it over, it's over well over a year ago now because this stint, I think he's been in Mount Joy for well over 100 days and the last time he was in for over 100 days. So basically he had, he has his views and his opinions and he aired them in his school where he was a teacher, which is Wilson's. And, um, you know, there was a huge campaign about it and he basically asked to leave the grounds of school but as we all know and saw the photos and videos he turned up every day because he felt he should turn up to teach but he wasn't allowed into the school it went into the courts and um, he has been put into jail because he um, he basically won't go back on his word and they said if you do we'll let you out but he doesn't want to because it's his beliefs and he doesn't want to obviously go back on what he how he <clears> believes and what he thinks he knows and um, now as I said he's in jail for this many days he's got fines building every single day and uh, it just the fiasco as you mentioned there's so 
much to it. And it, as mentioned, well, I've seen the name trending. I'm like, what is it now? And I'm all, I all, from one stage there, I, I was at home and I said, is he still in jail? I was like, what is going on? Because it had kind of gone quiet there for a couple of weeks. But then today, um, obviously it's in the courts, in the news again and in the courts. And um, I think the big shock from today is the fact that none of the, his, um, he hasn't paid any of the money that he owes, but also he's still getting his full salary from the school that he's not teaching in. He's still but getting he's paid an entire a full teacher salary. Full teacher salary, even though he's sitting in the prison, how many miles from here, every single day for the last hundred <clears> plus <throat> days. So he has not been in a classroom teaching, but he's still getting a full salary. Um. So t- today was a review of that detention order, and I guess he 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 wouldn't comply. He he, he wouldn't commit not to turning up at the school. So he's been sent promptly back to Mount Joy. David. Yeah, I think there's an uncomfortableness in relation to someone in his circumstances being put in prison. Yeah. The judge today, uh, Justice Sanfi, was a bit uncomfortable in relation to him being in, in in jail. But ultimately, he's there for breach of a high court order. His views are his own views, and he can express all the views all you want in the world within reason, without causing any harm to anybody else. In these circumstances, he was excluded from attending the school. He repeatedly kept going to the school, which obviously causes a knock-on effect to the kids in the school and teachers and the entire environment, and that's unfair. Court ruled he can't go. He chose to go repeatedly. He was in prison, Megan said, last year for 100 days, let out after Christmas, shortly after the school holidays. He was back again. Fines accumulated, and he's now, I think, 275 days yeah. in, in prison again. It's, it's hard to know what the natural conclusion to this is because you know he he can like legally speaking he can be kept in prison indefinitely for continued breach of this yeah, the, high court order the the court the judiciary they do not want him to be in prison the no, school do not want him no one wants him nobody wants him in prison no. like that Ian Burke though I think wants to be in prison uh, a little yeah, bit and like, I passed by the and last, that's the problem the last week I said the four courts his family been out protesting I said the four courts and I think you know the family you know you can have your views you can share your loved one uh, and support them as best you can you cannot intimidate public representatives or members of the judiciary in any circumstances and it's completely unacceptable any sort of uh, behaviour their behaviour has been appalling no, it's been appalling and, and again I think there should be a little, little might be a little family wing needed in Mount Joy to soften their cough very sharpish. But I think, you know, I think we need to be very clear in this. If the court orders something, and we've got to remember, there are, forget about the child involved in this case, but there are other kids in that school. And this entire environment is very unhelpful and unhealthy for them. And as I say, the intimidation of, of third parties is completely unacceptable. But nobody wants him in prison, but they now need to cut his money. They now need to enforce the issues and take his assets from him and focus minds very, very clearly. But you must adhere to those orders of the court. His own views are his own views. And many people have different views in relation to him and I respect his own views. Mm. You can't action that disadvantages or causes harm or upset to third parties. And if court rules, you can't be intimidating uh, people in a school. It's time to leave. If you don't leave, you're going to end up in Mount Joy. And maybe a little family wing will sort that out. Yeah, all right. Maybe it is. Uh, listen, speaking of unhealthy environments, let's talk about Montrose uh, and RTE. So seven o'clock this evening, Catherine Martin um, is going to be facing uh, questions in front of the media committee, Minister Catherine Martin. So remind us what questions she has to answer, Megan. Um, well, she was on RTE during the week and she was on with Miriam O'Callaghan and uh, basically she was kind of, wasn't, I guess, being as honest and it was kind of tiptoeing around uh, Shulni Rally and uh, as we all know then that was on a Thursday night I believe it was and was it in the middle of the night around 1am or so? 1am is when the resignation came through, yeah. Shulni resigned and it's all just... Again, it's almost like the Enoch Burke case. There's so many threads and there's so much going on. There's so much happening. But Catherine Martin will be answering questions. Now, I know I think as well, you know, 
I know social media can sometimes, it is a very toxic place, we know that. Um, but even just looking at the reaction of everyone, you know, there just seems to be more and more coming out. Stuff that, and, and really important stuff that wasn't, wasn't said at the time. And it's all starting to come out in kind of dribs and drabs, which I think that's why the public are getting annoyed. It's like, why well, can we not just have a sit down together and just get it all out in the open, get it all out there, talk about what was hidden, what was not hidden, what was given, what was not given, golden handshakes, who got what. And let's just put it all out there to the public and say, this is what's going on. Solve the situation and try find a reason and a way to move on, move on and move forward. It's kind of dominating news at the moment. It's all that's going on. It's taking away from a lot of the broadcasting that's happening as well. Um, but as I said, um, Catherine Martin will be answering questions this evening. I think there is going to be a lot of people wanting some serious answers. And as I said, when she was Aunt Miriam, I think a lot of it was just, I, I was even watching at home and I was, I was kind of going, wait, what's going on here? No, hold on. What does she, just answer the question. Give us a straight and honest answer. And that's what the people want. It, it does a, a little bit of the, the coverage, David, of the last few days as well has reminded me. Do you remember when the government nearly collapsed over uh, when Francis Fitzgerald was Minister for Justice and there was kind of who knew what and when was the question within her department about a kind of a memo? Had, had, the, had the minister seen this memo? Was the minister aware of this memo when co- certain comments were made? It, it, it has echoes of that. It, it, it looks like an episode or, or a series of Yes Minister. And I think, you know, in circumstances where such a massive issues at play with RTE, it is incredible that the chair and the minister aren't on a mobile phone together. It is actually mind-boggling that someone's ringing a, a secretary or a member of staff or a secretary general of a department to relay some information. It is also mind-boggling that after that meeting last week that uh, Kevin Backhurst, and this is an RTE's own website, consulted with uh, Shun to find out was one of the packages before the remuneration committee. This is the single entity, the single most important conversation last week, every single conversation that took place with every single human in the world should have been known prior to going in to see the Minister. And I think, um, you know, I, I always remember Shuni Rally, all of the stuff I read about her is exceptionally positive and exceptionally good. And I think, unfortunately, when you're in a crisis, it's a different gig, it's a different platform, it's a different stage. The first night she was interviewed on News to- on, on the News at One, or the 6-1 News, f- accidentally forgot to mention that D Forbes had been suspended the day before. I think that has set the pattern since then. And I think this is a very, very toxic situation now. It's mm. a very, very toxic environment. A lot of good journalists, a lot of good people. And also your own colleagues here in another, another um, you know, media outlets all watching, um, some smiling, some not smiling. But this is just becoming a joke at this stage. And then tonight we'll have another, uh, another uh, you know, pantomime with those members of the Oireachtas that'll be present. And also, by the way, there's this long-standing addition for anyone who's been ever been in an Oireachtas committee is that non-members of the committee are allowed to come in and grandstand. So this could be an absolute pantomime and make the old toy show, the musical, pale into insignificance after tonight. Uh, Megan, I guess the other question that people will have, the, the, the broader question is, what, uh, at the other end of all this, however long it might take, I mean, we're into kind of month nine, I think, of, of kind of revelations about RTE. What is it going to look like at the end? We still don't know. You know, Kevin Backhurst was in here last week, uh, the, 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 a few hours actually before um, Catherine Martin went on uh, primetime, unfortunately. Um, but he was in here and, and he look, he, he acknowledged that the meat hasn't really been put in the bones of the kind of future plan, his vision uh, uh, for the organisation. All we know so far is it's going to be smaller. They've got this redundancy scheme. There's going to be slightly fewer episodes of Fair City. But beyond that, uh, none of us know. And I know, you know, uh, um, Fintan O'Toole in the Irish Times today is kind of calling for, you know, complete separation of kind of the commercial side from the public side. You know, there's the licence fee reform. We, we don't know what RT and 
I know they are a competitor of ours in a radio sense, but they're a cultural institution, a huge one in this country. People want to know what it's going to look like. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's some great shows being produced in-house by, by RT. And I think... Not you know, in Radio 1, though. Let's just... Uh, a television. We'll talk yeah, about okay. television. <laughs> let's talk about TV. Um, and I just think that, you know, they, the, the public at the end of the day, they still want to watch television. You know, a lot of people say to me, oh, I don't watch the television anymore. And then they'll say, did you see that now on the 6-1? And I'm like, I thought you were watching the television. So, you know, people still want to consume the news. They still want to see Fair City. They still want to, to to watch nationwide, you know, and that's, you know, that's what we have to remember in all of this, that, you know, while people, I think, maybe are taking aim at the broadcasters because they're the people you see and you hear, they're forgetting that lot, most of the broadcasters, pretty much all of them, aren't involved in this. This is goes up at a higher level and that's what needs to be sorted out. So the people who are at the higher management level, they need to fix that situation and then let the broadcasters and the directors and the, and the producers and the executives and let the broadcasting continue. And I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of shows out there that, um, as I said, are producing really good content and we need to have RT, we need to have our, our, our channel going, we need to keep it alive. And I think people need to get behind and support the shows that they mm. want to watch and the shows that they love. And maybe, you know, start producing new new content because we can't just say, oh, it's going to be gone in six months. You know, mm. it's, it's going to be there. It's not going anywhere. I, th- I have to remember, like, there's, there's a 300 million euro operation. Yeah. There's 1,700 staff. Mm-hmm. There's a dozen people involved in this shenanigans at the moment. And there's 1,700 others trying to work. And by token, you know, when you look at the golden handshakes that are being discussed, there was 223,000 given over 10 members of staff who left elsewhere at a junior level. So, you know, we have there's great respect required for those people as well. And the senior managers and the board need to respect, as does the minister and everybody else, needs to respect the totality of the of the staff. And this should be sorted in a matter of weeks now. Enough of this carry on and waffle has happened now. This just needs to rip this plaster off. You and say I, that, I, No, right? I, think, I, think, I think today, I think actually today... I think there'll be a lot of um, squeaky variables around the place today now and I think this week could be a very difficult week for a lot of people and this is not in anyone's interest both Catherine Martin or Kevin Backers to have this being discussed after this weekend. Well, and like I say, you say that, one of our listeners, I'd pay the licence fee double if there was more public seconds in live TV. It's very entertaining, uh, says somebody <laughs> who obviously got a kick out of primetime uh, last week. Anne says, surely, uh, Kieran Enoch Burke shouldn't continue to be paid. I know it's an employee relations problem, etc. But by being in prison, he's not available for work, <coughs> which surely is a basic need for paid leave of any sort even if it ends with dismissal blood boiling says somebody else the cost of all this will fall on the taxpayer both him getting paid and his incarceration and somebody else making a similar point it is the taxpayer who's paying the salary of a sack teacher of a private school as well as paying for his unlimited incarceration in Mountjoy because he refuses to accept that dismissal why is he still being he, paid? He, he is suing the school and I would respectfully suggest that possibly as part of any future mitigation the payment has been made until that matter is resolved. Until that matter is resolved. Uh, David Hall, CEO of iCare Housing, CEO of Lifeline Ambulance Services, Megan Scully, broadcaster. Thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.